I'm excited to present to you part two of my conversation with Nate McCannion and Dr. Anson Whitmer. Enjoy. Are there some sort of like practical ways that you guys, um, that you guys know of or have worked with people of or, or can think of in terms of helping people take agency over recognizing their own habits and then being able to kind of like actually do something about the ones that they don't like. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. Um, that, yeah. And, and it partially does have to do with that internal state. So when we're sitting at work and we suddenly find ourselves checking news or Instagram uh, the cues may be a little bit hard to see, but what the cue is is this moment of boredom yep. or anxiety, distraction. And when you have that internal state, you try and uh, you engage in a routine that leads to a little reward and you feel better. And then you go back to work thinking you feel better, even though uh, really you don't, don't feel yeah, much at, better at all. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, one of the strategies in that situation is uh, to try and elicit cognitive control when that cue happens uh, to begin a shift away to a different habit. Uh, so kind of in a shameless uh, plug, I built a Chrome extension app <laughs> nice. <laughs> called uh, no, please do. Chrome for Chrome. And what it does is anytime you go to a uh, website on a blacklist like Facebook or New York Times, uh, it will redirect you before you go to that website. It'll redirect you to a breathe bubble that will just expand and compress um, and uh, basically make you take one deep breath or two deep breaths or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And then you're able to click a button and continue on to the website. And what that does is kind of two things. One, it makes you have some kind of control in that moment to really like, wait, what, do I really want to go to Facebook right now? Or was I just feeling uh, a little bit anxious or bored for a second? And then you often, I found I really had no intention of going to a website. It was just doing it automatically. Yep. Um, but secondly, it also gives you kind of an alternative, which is uh, when I feel a little distracted or tired or anxious, if I take a couple of deep breaths, I feel good. And so that could become the habit. When you feel bored, you take a couple of deep breaths and become refocused. Um, so it's really trying to exert cognitive control in the situations when that cue arises and figure out what the alternative habit should be that is a more productive and healthy one. So I have, two, I have two quick things here, just based on my extensive listening and lack of yeah, well, no, participation. I'm sorry, I've, I've been very, very compassionately listening, I promise. I'm the, I'm the, I'm, <laughs> if you guys couldn't tell, I'm the blabbermouth of the <laughs> So first, it sounds as though, I don't want to say the answer, but the, the very crucial, almost first step, which I think to, to use Nate's word is, is awareness or self-awareness, whatever, whatever. It's essentially a certain component of mindfulness, taking the time to sure notice whatever it is, but also say, whoa, take a deep breath, be that, be that breathing bubble or whatever, however you describe it, Anson. But then the other side of that is also, do you, is there is there a way that's 
not just the mindfulness component, but also the, I want to say, almost turning around and facing whatever that habit is. And instead of saying, I need to pick something out of the air and, and, and replace that here, I actually need to confront it and and, and sort of battle mindfully, right, right. I guess, to, to, to plug with it and, and, and engage it in a very cognitive manner. Yeah. So it's, it's not just, it's not just constantly saying, you know, I'm, I smoke cigarettes. I need to stop smoking cigarettes. It's, I smoke cigarettes. Why do I smoke cigarettes? It's, it, it's not, it's not, this is, this is terrible. I'm a bad human being. It's, this is what it is. How do I move forward from that? I, I think that's a hugely important point, especially when it comes to mental habits. So in the context of post-traumatic stress disorder uh, and also worry, uh, something that is thought to happen is when a real strong negative emotion starts to happen in PTSD, uh, people use their mind to shut down response to it. And you can shut down your feelings of anxiety by intellectualizing the problem and uh, making it very cognitive. Uh, but the problem is, is sometimes you shut down the line of thinking so you don't actually make any progress in that line of thinking. You don't move uh, through it. Um, so one of the therapies for... Uh, worry and rumination and PTSD can be to write down what you're thinking because it necessarily brings you from point A to point B instead of in those conditions where you often just keep starting at point A, start moving towards B and stop, you block it, and then just kind of keep coming back to A over and over again. So in some conditions, there can be a need to actually not distract yourself, not avoid that state but to non-judgmentally allow yourself to move through it, reappraise the situation and see the new light. And that could help you kind of turn off that habitual response. Um, but that's maybe a little bit more of a, someone particular to mental habits, I think. Hmm. No, I think, I think, I think that's, that's, that's that's very helpful. I, I, I think what was what was really firing off in my in, in my mind when both you and Nate were talking about more of the confrontation of it is Pedro. You can certainly weigh in here. Is is kind of the the heroic journey exactly. and how you have your call to action. You have kind of your you know the call to action that that brings you out of your comfort and 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 so forth. But then crossing into the unknown. The unknown being maybe this this bad habit but more than anything it's that very kind of bottom like almost the underworld demonic, yeah the underworld the hellish demonic whatever it is again this this is sounding significantly worse than just a bad habit that we're talking about trying to overcome but it, it is very much it's very much analogous to that at least in how I'm how I'm uh, how I'm hearing it and I, I hope I'm not just kind of projecting that onto this kind of conversation yeah, yeah, definitely. And there, there is a need habitually to just change mentally, not just avoid a certain thought, but to change how you interact with it and have the habit be one of more non-judgmental awareness and reappraisal. Um, 
of conditions instead of just the kind of instinctive, habitual, uh, just mulling over and over again the same exact thought, the same problem, replaying yeah. the trauma in your head yet another time. Is, is that kind of consistent with the idea that what you what you resist persists? Uh, yeah, phrase. definitely. Is uh, is if you're resisting it, you don't give yourself a chance to view it in a different way. You try and block it. Uh. And so it's really, uh, you know, to kind of step back, decenter yourself from it and see it in a different light is, is really critical if you want to change how you interact with it um, and change how you interact with the negative state, that cue that keeps leading to those forms right. of thoughts. Gotcha. Yeah. I have uh, a somewhat silly story to share as an example uh, a good a good friend of mine um he works in an office and there's um there's a woman who cleans the office just outside uh his room and she always seems to be in the way right any anytime he leaves his room uh she makes him late to meetings and the vacuum uh, cords are all over the place and you know she doesn't she doesn't try to get out of the way so she's really getting in the way and um my this friend that I'm talking about, he um, he recently started taking on mindfulness practice, and he said one thing that he recognized is that every time he would leave the room when she was there, immediately he would be triggered into a negative thought spiral of hmm. this woman sucks, she's totally inconsiderate, she is making me late, um, yeah. I don't like her, right? And so um, he was able to unlock the level of self awareness through his mindfulness practice that made that very obvious that that spiral. And so he said, okay, let me deliberately take agency in, um, in changing my reaction to seeing this woman, okay? So the next time that he went out, he left his room and he saw her there, um, he deliberately and intentionally thought to, to himself, I hope this woman has a great day. You know, I, I, hope, I hope she's doing well. And, um, and it was very much... Uh, you know the prefrontal cortex part of habit formation, where you are using that that deliberate cognitive control that Anson was talking about earlier to change this thought pattern. And so he says, after like a week of doing this, he would leave his room and without even like without any deliberation about it, he would immediately think, you know, I hope that woman has a great day. I'm glad she's here. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a certain level of agency that's required to change any kind of habit. Yep. But agency is not the first step. Awareness is the first step. Yep. Awareness is the precursor to agency. You know, this is a really key concept. And so it allows you to do an audit on your life. It allows you to, you know, go back to your, your early, earlier question, John, about um, like how do, you, how do you manage the awareness part versus the confrontation part. Um, they, they are very symbiotic processes. They, they can't exist without each other if you are to successfully change a habit about anything. You need the awareness component. You need that full confrontation, which is the lack of resistance, the full uh, acceptance of what is happening before you can actually take action to change it. And so in that sense, if you're talking about the archetypes, perhaps this is an example of how there's a certain fluidity to the villain archetype and the hero archetype where you know we have this control over over how we um you know how we how we shape the the devil and the angel on yep, our shoulders exactly it's it, we're we're all a process it's sort of bobbing in between the two of them yeah interestingly uh there has been cognitive research done on understanding 
why some people have self-control and others don't. Hmm. Um, so you can do questionnaires and figure out, hey, this person has a lot of self-control through the different parts of their life. They're probably this characterization a little bit more. And what they found is it's, they don't have lots of self-control. They're particularly good at inhibiting problematic desires and just suppressing them. Uh, what these people overall are really good at, or demonstrate all of them, is that they're really good at forming new good habits. Hmm. Um, that That's the key to self-control is having uh, not that what you just intuitively think the cognitive control part of your brain be super strong, uh, but it's really about having that automatic part of your brain take over control in lots of situations and lead you in the right direction. Clearly, the cognitive control part is involved in that first part of establishing the goal, but really it's just setting that lower system on the right direction. Um, so, so if you want to be a hero, just be really good at developing the good, uh, the good habits and not focus as much on trying to suppress or prevent negative actions from happening. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I so, mean, that's so to, so to use, to use, um, Anson and I were talking briefly before you guys came on about, uh, thinking fast and slow. So it's nice. engaging, it's engaging system two mm. to then make your system one more, uh, I don't know, a be- full of better habits. I don't know exactly how to word that, but essentially... Heroic, John. I've forgotten that there. Um, I, I, have a, I have a quick question, Nate, to um, your, your, um, your story about your friend. Um, yeah. and because something that I have sort of obsessed over as I've struggled to um, you know, work through uh, my mindfulness practice and, and kind of grow in, in that regard a little bit is um, gratitude and showing like when I wake up every morning, my alarm says, um, be grateful. And I roll over and half the time I'm like, fuck this. This fucking sucks. I have to wake up. It's 530. I hate this. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, sometimes I also wake up and I pop out of bed and I look outside and I say, I am just, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have this opportunity to even live today. And it's, it's incredible. And, and, and the number of, of just friends that, you know, irrespective of, of even this conversation or mindfulness, just the power of gratitude. Um, and how that shapes um, your outlook, and and I think in 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 turn, kind of how you carry yourself and how you think about your your days and, and your experiences. Mm. And I don't know, Nate and Anson, if you can speak to um, how, because I, I think there's a certain intimidation about mindfulness, about saying, "Hey, I need to I need to sit down for ten minutes and 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 focus on my thoughts and focus on and, and that's why people get deterred and you know they say the person who can't sit down for two minutes really needs two hours or whatever it is. Um, you know, what, what's, cause I, I think kind of sharing gratitude and showing people the power of gratitude is, is maybe a, a, an easier first step to a waking up and saying, Hey, I'm grateful for my friend Pedro. I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk to these, these two guys across the country who have incredible insights about things that I'm so interested in today. Or, or even I'm grateful that the sun rises and it's a beautiful morning, you know. So yeah, please. 
I, I think one interesting point that's coming up in this, uh, in your comment that we haven't really discussed is that if you want to form a new habit, simplicity is super helpful. Hmm. Um, the, the habit part of the brain, the striatum is, as I said, primitive. It's, it's pretty dumb. It just wants a, here's a cue, engage in this response, here's a reward. If that response is really complex, uh, it could be hard uh, for the striatum to figure out that it's associated with reward. So say a cue happens and then you're like, okay, now I'll sit down and write a 10-page paper and there's a reward to that later on. That's such a complex endeavor and the striatum has a hard time picking that up. But if it's uh, it, you just got out of the shower and now you brush your so that's a cue and, and you brush your teeth and now your teeth feel clean. That's like a very simple, easy to learn behavior. And actually, what you could see in kind uh, of research studies is even though I think the layman thinks that uh, I often hear people talk about that you could form a habit in 21 days. Yep. Uh, Research has kind of looked at different forms of habits, like you know, meditating or drinking a glass of water with breakfast or a variety of habits. And what they've seen, it could actually take anywhere from 18 days to 254 days for that habit to become instantiated, for it to become automatic. Uh, and what really predicts whether it would take less time uh, versus more time, one of the main factors is simplicity. So drinking some water or flossing your teeth is a very simple action. Trying to learn it quickly, so you could that could become automatic in a less amount of time. Then say, if it's meditation and you have to spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, that's a more complex behavior. So it's a little bit harder to learn. Uh, and the other problem with that complexity of that behavior is that it's hard to be very consistent in your response to that contextual cue. To say if you wanted to meditate for an hour, uh, it would just be very difficult to make that happen uh, every time the context happens because you would have other demands on your time. But if, say, instead, all you wanted to do was meditate for 30 seconds or one minute, or say you want to do push-ups and say you just do one single push-up, uh, that's very easy to do every single time in that context. So you have that consistency. Every time that context happens, you do this behavior and you get a reward you'd be able to learn it way more quickly. Uh, so sometimes, and in, in your question uh, is, if it's something as simple as like gratitude, uh, instead of sitting down and uh, meditating for 20 minutes or something like that, it, it is kind of a simpler response. So it might be a easier habit to form hmm. in some ways. But I guess the one other side to that is that Simpler habits maybe don't have as wide of ramifications on on your life. Uh, right. So some gratitude may help, but the sitting and meditating for ten to twenty minutes will probably have a greater impact on your mental well-being. Well, I think a, I think a key point is that you start. You know, the ten minutes doesn't start with ten minutes. The ten minutes starts with one minute. Um, in terms of gratitude, simplicity is so important. Because to wake up one day and say, I'm going to be so grateful today. I'm going to love everything and everyone. It just sets such an unrealistic expectation. And then when you have one moment of the day where you're not being grateful, it's like, oh, fuck, you know, the whole thing's ruined. May yeah. as well, you know, just not even try this anymore. So if you can start small, like Anton said, and really start with like just one thought. 
Um, it, it may actually really seem unnatural at first, right? Because we're talking about starting an entire new trail in the, the trail of your mind, right? It's, it's like the feeling when you try to throw a ball with your off hands. Something about it just doesn't feel right. But if you start practicing and you start trying and you do it over and over, it begins to feel more um, natural and it begins to feel more accessible, right? There will be more moments of the day that you find yourself slipping into that state of mind. And um, I mean, gratitude is, is a sort of stigmatized emotion in the United States and Western culture, kind of in the same way that love is, right? You talk mm-hmm. about being grateful and being like, and loving something and there's kind of this kind of flowery association with it. Um, and that may be a deterrent for a lot of people to really uh, absorb themselves in, in those, you know, attitudes. But um, a lot of this just has to do with seeing yourself where you're at because it doesn't need to be gratitude and love. It could just be um, thankfulness. Uh, it could be, you know, any any way that you want to um, formulate in your own head that makes it more accessible um, is going to be the best way for you to actually introduce this into your life in a sustainable way. Incredible insight, um, and I think I think kind of piggybacking onto something that was discussed much earlier was that you can't just take take the king from the throne. You have to work your way up. And I think simplicity is kind of that baseline that allows you, like you said, the one minute turns to two, turns to five, turns to ten, etc. Um, and I think that that is something a lot of people, like you said, Nate, are deterred by because it's scary and intimidating to just want to take on something so big and then just fail and then it and then you never try it again. And I think that's something that's yeah that's that's hard that's hard to i, I wouldn't say it's, it's almost discouraged because people have this instant gratification of oh whenever whenever nate posts on instagram he's in some exotic country and he has such a great life and how do i not have his life in reality you have all those little things that build up to those vacations that you take once a year and happen to only post once a year. You know, it's, it's this, I, in my opinion, I think it's very similar in just having some sort of smaller kind of building blocks that get you to something more. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, John. I'm in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do think there's something to be said about if you respond to a negative situation with self-blame uh, and anger and these negative emotions, then basically those emotions decrease motivation. Uh, you're less excited. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're kind of, uh, they can make you withdraw from the situation and make you want to cover it up by drinking some booze to make yourself feel better. Uh, I mean, a much better way to go about it is to be excited and happy. And if the reward and what you're trying to achieve is something you're approaching, uh, versus avoiding negative feelings is people get caught up in loops with it, with, uh, negative thinking where they feel they have a negative mood say they try and 
or something bad happens. They try and understand it and then they feel bad and then they can't stop thinking about it. So then yeah. they start thinking, why am I such a failure and why can't I stop thinking about it? Yeah. And that becomes like the next part of the loop, which yeah. makes them feel even worse. And yeah. then they just go down this cycle. Um, it's actually seven back. And if you're in a more positive mood, you probably will have more energy to get up and go to the gym. Negative move will make you want to drink a yeah. whiskey. That, that, yeah, I guess that goes into John's point earlier of like it's okay, like it, it's it is what it is. Let's mm-hmm. let's figure out how to create a, a positive routine. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, mate. Um, yeah, I think your your point, Anson, underlies um, the importance of of starting small and starting simple. Uh, in the scientific community, they call they call it small wins, right? Hmm. If you have this big audacious goal to going from being this like really lazy, obese, non motivated person with like really kind of non healthy lifestyles to being this like marathon runner who just has this like fantastic social circle and everyone looks up to them. Um, it's great to have that vision, but you're not going to get there. Um, without the small wins. And so the small wins in this context is um, when you're in that negative feedback loop that Anson is talking about and you miss the gym, which makes you have a terrible meal, which makes you tired, uh, which makes you stressed out, which leaves you you know, staying up all night and you can't fall asleep, which means you're more tired the next day, which means you miss the gym again, right? Mm-hmm. The small win is if you could pop one bubble in that circle and you could say, you know what? you know what, I'm tired, or I really don't want to go to the gym right now, but I'm going to make myself do it. And this is where the cognitive control comes in. And once you take that first step of action into changing that cycle, then the small win starts to become the big wins. And you feel more empowered to eat a better meal. And then you like really just want to get a good sleep at night so you can go in for your run the next morning. Um, So that's the power of, of starting small and starting simple. Uh, and it can't be overlooked because it's, it's, I would say the part that is most overlooked in habit formation, which is, um, understanding that, uh, the process for getting from A to B is not simply a jump from one letter to the next. It is the, the very minute and detailed process of, uh, combining small, tiny little fraction wins over and over again until you build up that momentum. Yeah. And maybe even going a, a step deeper instead of uh, saying, no, I'm going to go to the gym and work out and imagine this 20 minute workout you have to do. Uh, what you can do is just say, I'm just going to go to the gym. Right. And then, and then I'm going to head home. I'm just going to walk to the gym and hang out for a couple minutes. Then I'm going to head home. I'm not even going to work out, but it's almost guaranteed once you're in that context, of the gym you'll start working out a little bit and usually once you get working out it's easy to keep going there's yep. no there's no stopping cue yeah there's I, just a starting cue there so just try and put yourself in the situation that creates a starting cue to the good behavior yeah and really avoid the situations that are are cues for the negative behavior like your couch after work when you're tired is a very strong cue to do nothing um so stay away from it and um, and then then kind of control becomes less important Yep. Gotcha. How are you guys doing on time? Uh, I'm starting to run a little bit low, both on time and battery life. Nice. Okay. So let's, John, do you have anything? I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Okay. So let's, so let's, so let's finish this thing up. So I, I'd say, um, uh, really quickly, 
I I am coming to you laden with bad habits. What are the one or two or three most important things you'd recommend I do? I'll, I'll give one. Maybe Ant can give, give another. Something we haven't spoken about yet in this episode that I think is worth mentioning is uh, the people you surround yourself with. Uh, um, you know, Tim, Tim Ferriss has this has this comment where he says you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And yep. I think there really is a degree of truth to that. You know, you sort of absorb the energy of people that you're around, whether it's your roommates, your coworkers, your family, or yep. whoever. And um, habits are a part of that. You know, you pick up on the cues that people around you are doing, uh, even if it's not healthy, even if you recognize it's not healthy. Yep. So one thing I would say to do, if you want to adopt a new habit, um, start following and hanging out with people who are already doing it. Got it. That's a good point. Uh, something I would like to add to that in that particular situation is even though you think you want to change a bunch of different habits, uh, is only change one habit at a time. Uh, it's just take each habit and make it automatic, then move on to the next habit. Got it. And that's partially because the striatal uh, system that's involved in habit formation is uh, is a very simple, dumb system. So got it. Pivot. Uh, just be simplistic. Yep. In your approach. And and anything else, guys? Yeah, man. I think uh, this has been a very empirical conversation, very, very data validated. But data. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, keep it fun. You know, yeah. Keep, keep keep this this process of growth rewarding to you because if it's not rewarding at the end of the day, you're not going to stay motivated. Right. And when you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to eat better, what always ends up happening is the start is the hardest part. But once you get going and you lose those first five pounds or you really start feeling better from eating more greens and veggies, the results become your greatest motivation. Yep. So keep it fun. Keep it rewarding at the end of the day. Get get your momentum going and replace your good habits, your bad habits with good ones. I was about to say good and bad. <laughs> oh, 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 dear. <laughs> Wise words. <Yeah. laughs> um, well, anything else, John? Um. I mean, I, uh, to be candid, I probably have about three more hours worth of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to pick your guys' brains with. I know your, your time is precious, as it is for everyone, but I do genuinely, to uh, go back to my, my, my brief moment of gratitude, I want to do say thank you. You guys have have been so so insightful and in, in, in just I, just just the words and in, in, in the the advice and just knowledge you've shared is 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 special and and we're both lucky to be hearing it and we hope to be sharing it with um a lot of other people too and i think nate to your point make it fun yep make make, (laughs) like life is too short to be to be bogged down and you know thank you thank you both much cool yeah guys this has been fun and uh it's been rewarding and um, it's cool that you guys are passionate about this and that you're yeah. spending time doing this. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where your podcast goes from here. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you couldn't, if you couldn't tell I had, it's, it's this whole thing stems from enough bad habits building and building up. <laughs> so, so ho- hopefully, hopefully round two, it, the, the conversation isn't about bad habits, maximizing your good ones. Thanks guys. Um, right. And, uh, and let's stay in touch and do this again sometime soon. All right. All right. Have yeah, a good one guys. Fun, guys. Later. All right. Bye guys. Bye.